Hello, friends. Welcome to the Coffee and Beer podcast. We are back from the holidays. Glad to be back. Love the holidays, but love to get back from the holidays and get back to work. So we are back. Our guest today is going to be Sean Luchtel from Heartland Bowhunter. And we're going to be talking about something that is, let's put it this way. I've never met a person that has not had to deal with this at some point, And that is Mrs. Uh, recovering from disappointment, failed shots and whatnot. And we're also going to get some updates from Sean on Heartland Bowhunter, the TV program, which I uh, believe is one of the best in the business. Absolutely. So the doctor is in the house. Happy holidays, Mike. Good to see you. You anxious to get to back as too. well? I am. It's um, it's something that I've begun to look forward to just because uh, it's, it's something that, you know, we, when we kind of get together and put one of these shows together, one of these podcasts together, we kind of get to catch up, even though we talk a lot, we talk in a different aspect here that is a little bit more different than our normal text messages and, and phone conversations. So I'm always excited to jump back on a podcast with you. Yeah, we've done a little bit of stuff over the holidays, mostly me tagging along with you doing some trapping. So that was fun, at least. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it was kind of enjoyable to kind of you know get you along there because, again, trapping, even though it seems to be like an isolated hobby it's always fun to get somebody else involved or you know buddy trap so um yeah you get to see me you know go through the paces and go through the motions and um you know maybe next year we'll get you out there yeah hey no i just enjoy tagging along even if it's just to carry a bag and hey get this and get that so anyway <laughs> it, it was nice to do that hey uh our sponsor for today is vortex optics and so I'm going to go a little different direction here because obviously I think the optics speak for themselves. Vortex has been in the business quite a long time. Their optics are outstanding and uh, they have that unlimited unconditional warranty, which there's nothing, there's no better warranty in the business than what Vortex gives you. But I'm going to go a little different direction here and mention their clothing. Believe it or not, you may not, or you may not be aware, I guess I should say that Vortex has a really nice clothing line. And I've got several pieces, everything from socks to sweatshirts and jackets, and they are really, really super nice quality. And so uh, if, if you already are in a Vortex fan for their optics, I would also encourage you to check out some of their apparel as well, which is all very good. And they are a, a really good sponsor for the National Deer Association. Mike, we have a couple Ask NDA Anythings. You excited? Okay. Yes, I am. So this is a nice little New Year's treat or a delayed Christmas present. However you want to look at it. Yeah. And I, I have to be a little rough on the listeners here and say, folks, you're dropping the ball. And maybe it was the holidays. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe nobody's listening. Actually, maybe I should check the numbers. Maybe nobody's listening. <laughs> you know, I know our wives aren't listening. So, you know, if they're not listening, then nobody's listening. Um, but anyway, I guess that, that never occurred to me. Nobody's listening to the show. Um, we did get a couple though. And so let's go ahead and go through them. Um, so okay. this is a good one. This is from Cody from Michigan. And uh, Cody said he sent a, a, it was a bit of a lengthy note, but he was asking about, uh, he's been hunting in Michigan. It's not uncommon to see a deer or two with injuries during a hunting season, whether it be predators, cars, or a bad shot, something along those lines. But uh, he was saying that he has seen several deer. It seemed like more than usual 
uh, having issues this year. He mentions a doe with a broken back femur uh, that was near him. Uh, then he mentions uh, just the fact that he's seeing uh, what, what he would describe as more injuries than normal. And he was asking, um, you know, is it, is it potentially a nutrition issue or are these deer just injuring themselves? It seems to be so many deer have leg injuries this year. What do you think that is? And so the response to, to Cody was essentially that I, really, I, I don't think it's an issue of nutrition or anything like that. I think it's really just an observation. You happen to have caught a bit of a perfect storm there, it seems like, and just happen to be seeing a number of these things. I know throughout my hunting career, and it's getting lengthy at this point, I have felt like I have seen abnormal amounts of you name it, X, Y, or Z. And then the next year, it seems to normal itself out. So I would say that it's probably nothing more than just what you happen to be observing a bit of a perfect storm in that area. You ever seen anything like that, Doc? Um, that's that's tough to to really answer with 100% confidence because I think you're right. I think there is a certain X factor in there that we really can't put our finger on. Uh, deer themselves are a pretty hardy animal. And if the injury is not immediately or even delayed life-threatening, I think that these deer can survive on three legs, um, actually objects stuck in them. I'm, I, I have found deer that have actually had pieces of um, actually wood or sticks stuck in their chest that they might've been running through the woods and impaled themselves because of the angle. They didn't notice it. It might've been at night and they might've been running at full speed and their body forms a cyst around it and encapsulates it and the deer continues to move on. So um, I think I like your answer with it. it's just a matter of observational chance and what has, you know, might've been like an unfortunate high number of injuries in that area just for that particular year. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably the best way to explain it. Now, if he comes back next year with the same question, then we might, we might want to ask why or try to see what's going on there. So anyway, thank you for the question, Cody. And then the next question comes from Brian in New Jersey, and he must've known what we were going to talk about today. Because he wanted to know what are the odds that a that a missed buck will return, and so that's a great question, and it's also very timely because that's what we're talking about in this episode. We're talking about recovering from misses, but we aren't going to cover this aspect of will a missed buck return. And so I want to take my give you my two cents on this, and we'll get the doctor's diagnosis on this one. Uh, for me, and, and and people hate when you answer a question like this, but I'm just going to have to do it. It depends. Every animal is different. Uh, every situation is different. Whether you shot at that animal with a bow and did the deer see you afterwards or a firearm sometimes matters, I believe. Uh, but I have seen personally, I have, I have seen deer that I've shot at that I eventually see right back in the same spot at some point later. And so it happens. Uh, I would say though, especially as deer mature, it's, it's less likely, at least during daylight hours, that you will have the same encounter that you had when you made the miss. I'm not saying it's not impossible. I mean, I even know of situations where people have uh, hit and unfortunately wounded deer only to harvest them again later in the season. But I would say that's very rare. Uh, so it depends. Don't give up. There is a chance that deer will come back. Get out there and continue to scout and, and see. And you'll learn, I think, a lot about how that deer reacted. What do you think, Mike? 
Yeah, I think that you're you're on you're on fire today. These are these are good questions, and I think that you know at least you and I think very similar similarly uh, in the fact that the older the deer gets, the the more wary they become of things that make them uncomfortable. And in a specific tree stand, if a shot was missed or if you you know hit the deer and did not put a fatal wound on it to where the deer continues to survive, that situation will, as, as far as I've heard, you know, resonate in that deer's mind in that situation again. And so you, you know, like the, the mobile hunting setup that guys are, you know, really into now is a definite positive, but I will have to agree. I've actually, uh, was hunting, hunting and filming with a friend who shot at a deer, just grazed it harmless, uh, just breaking of the hide. And two weeks later we were hunting, we moved locations because the wind just wasn't right. The same deer came through different trail, but the entire time kept eyeing in the general area where we were actually in the tree as that deer purposely skirted us at a distance. And, um, unfortunately it was on the opposite side of where we were, but, um, I've seen it in that capacity and not to put too many human emotions, feelings, or thoughts within deer, but the deer knew that something caused him discomfort there, scared him, caused him pain, whatever you want to say and remembered. And so I think we were, uh, the positive for us was we knew that we were in that deer's core area though. And so I think if you're, if that occurs on the fringe of a deer's area, uh, the likelihood is a lot less, but if it occurs in and around or near the core of the area and there's no better habitat to move to or safe location to move to the likelihood of, uh, a return chance or another chance is definitely possible. Yeah, thanks for the additional detail there. I think that really adds to our answer. And I had this conversation with Ron Hawes, who I've mentioned a couple of times. We threatened to bring on the show. Ron is uh, my good friend who I hunt with in Delaware. We are having this conversation because, unfortunately, we're going to be talk talking today about a, a buck that I missed. We're going to be talking about missed shots. And I said to Ron, I said, Ron, I said, do you think, what are the odds that if I went right back to that same spot that that deer would come back? Do you think that deer remember specific things like that specific tree because the deer eventually saw me or and he said you know he said i'm going to lean on my experience with horses he said because he has, well, he has a ton of experience with horses and he says when he would take a horse somewhere where it had a bad experience he didn't believe that it remembered the the exact spot necessarily but it would remember the area and when they whenever they entered an area where that horse had a bad experience a loud noise or whatnot that he would he could just feel with the horse under him he'd feel the edginess and the uncertainty and he feels that deer are very much the same way and i thought that was great advice and so uh yeah ron I, you're probably listening to this and i keep threatening you we're going to get you on the show but i thought that that was a good addition to that so thank you for the question brian you get the hat this time and hopefully you get the, the deer that you're after that you, that you didn't connect on. Mike, today's focus is uh, whenever, we, whenever we fail to uh, succeed in our goal after we release the air or we pull the trigger, okay? Missed shots, it happens. Happens to everybody, that's the focus. And I'm gonna bring in, uh, I wanted to bring in today, Sean Luchtel from Heartland Bowhunter because the uh, Heartland Bowhunter, on top of being just really top-notch uh, show for a long, long time, going on 15 seasons now, 
in the outdoors uh, hunting world, they are not shy about showing their failures as much as they show their successes. And, and Sean has had those failures and he's happy to admit them. And so I think uh, he was a great person uh, to bring on here to have this discussion. So I uh, want to go ahead and bring Sean into the show and let's have that discussion. My pleasure to welcome to the Coffee and Deer podcast, the co-owner of Heartland Bowhunter, Sean Lucknell. Sean uh, is someone I've come to know over the last several years, actually, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Sean, but I was a fan of the show way back when it first started. Uh, man, I, we're going to talk about how long it's been, but I feel like it's been more than 10 years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I didn't know that, by the way, so thank you guys for having me on here, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's been going for over 10 years. We're actually, we just are about to wrap up finishing our 15th season here. And well, I guess about 10 days will be the end of Missouri season. And that will be the end of it, which is, it's wild to think, you know, I, I think about it a lot, actually. Um, you know, when we started this thing, I was just, I mean, gosh, I was only about well, 20, 21 years old. And you just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we all have that same mentality where we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be young forever. And then not that I, <laughs> I'm old, but I, I definitely know it's coming around the corner pretty quick. And it's just wild how time flies, especially when you're having fun and enjoying what you're doing. It's funny you bring that up because I remember when I, when I, I remember my first impression when I saw the show and it immediately struck me as, wow, this is very different. I think for the, the majority of the first episode I ever saw, there was hardly any talking even. It was just great videography and all of the elements that you remember from a hunt that were captured. And it was so focused on that and not as much on the outcome of the hunt, which I thought was awesome. But then I remember going to SHOT Show and seeing you guys, you must've been, you were sitting outside of, I don't know, one of the media company booths there. And I thought, these guys are freaking kids. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, none of us are kids anymore. And I'm certainly obviously older too, but I remember that struck me, man, these guys are so talented and look how young they are. And so I don't think it's, it's, well, to me, it's no surprise at all to see that 15 seasons in you guys are still moving forward. So, uh, congratulations on that. And, and we'll get into that more. I want to talk more about Heartland Bowhunter as we close out, but uh, tell us just a little bit about you and yourself. Yeah. So, um, I was born and raised actually here in, um, Kansas city, Missouri, I'll call it, but it, essentially I'm about 40 minutes to the east of there in a town called grain Valley. And I, um, I've since built a house, um, on the ground that I grew up hunting. Um, my parents live next door basically on about 55 acres. Um, I have my five next to that 55 acres. So I live right here where I, I, I grew up, um, hunting and everything. It's basically, that's right where I learned to, to bow hunt. And, um, really I had no idea what I wanted to do growing up in, um, elementary, even high school. I had absolutely zero clue what I wanted to do for a living. And then I went on to college and, um, you know, Heartland bow hunter kind of evolved when I, um, Mike and I, Michael Hunsucker and I, um, really started to, hunt together, film our own hunts. And we, we'd actually known each other since junior high. So, um, we were close friends at the time, um, obviously became best friends. And since then it's just kind of taken off. So it's pretty phenomenal what it's all turned into. Um, super blessed to be able to do what I do. And, um, yeah, now I've got a, I've got a wife and a kid and 
it's it's just wild like we were saying it's crazy how time flies yeah i enjoy seeing your your social media posts and so on um for those that don't know sean he is absolutely just a regular guy him and mike both and just kind of living the dream which i think is a ton of fun i think it's awesome that you're you're really living right where you grew up which is cool uh the doctor and i we actually live pretty close to where we grow up not exactly but mm-hmm. pretty close and so we we can sort and uh we can relate to that i think a little bit so um so you're what people don't realize i think a lot of times about outdoor television is the work you're doing right now is the stuff that people will see during your next season of the show and so without revealing a whole lot about what people will see next season uh, how did things go for you this year overall um this year was uh quite a bit tougher than last year i mean gosh fall of um 2020 was it was the best fall that i ever had and it's it's funny because those are, I've had bad years. And so actually I've had really, really bad years and going from bad years to what I had last year, um, really makes me realize how, I mean, just blessed and, um, you know, good. I really have it sometimes. And, um, yeah, this fall was, it was tough. Like, I don't know. I, I put in the same amount of effort every single year as most of us do. And um, sometimes the ball just doesn't go your way. And that's kind of how it went. I mean, I, I got a couple bucks, which is, gosh, I mean, some people, a lot of people go a season without getting one. So I really, I can't ask for much more than that. It's just, it was just a little bit slower than usual, but overall it was still fun. And, you know, as I've gotten older and this has gone on, um, there's, I've had opportunities now where it's not quite as much me in front of the camera. And I kind of get back to my roots and film, um, actually the guy that, that films me all the time. So we, uh, we kind of traded off a little bit this year and, uh, we went to Kansas and I told him, I was like, look, well, we actually made a few trips out there. I was like, look, I want you to hunt first. And then by the, once you get a buck, then, then I'll go. And, um, he ended up getting a, a great buck and, um, it's fun to kind of just, sit back and enjoy it for other people and get to see how they get, uh, you know, the enjoyment that they get out of it really brings me joy now instead of just me hunting all the time. So all in all, it was still a really fun season. There are a lot of things you said there that I'd like to touch on. One of them right off the bat is you are really, you're, you're a professional in this business. You're a professional hunter. And you may not always think of yourself that way, but you are. And people are from all over the country and beyond are watching you. And yet you still have difficult seasons. And I think that's one of the things that I've always loved about deer and deer hunting is that no matter, let's just put it this way. We can't ever take it for granted because there are times where you go out and it just seems like, like last year for you, everything you touch turns to gold and this is easy, but then it's very humbling as well. And all of a sudden it's not so easy. We're going to talk about things that happen uh, here and here in a second. Uh, so I thought that was really good. And I, I also love the idea that now you're evolving as a hunter. You're in this stage now where you're, you're in the appreciation game. You still love shooting big deer, but it sounds like you also have just really grasped onto the experience, the overall experience and being behind the camera, even more than behind the bow. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, our passion is bow hunting for sure, but our, our, our second close passion as well is, is production and just video and photography. And I've had more than my fair share of opportunities to hunt and, and shoot a lot of deer. And it, it is fun just to get back and, and sit there and capture the entire hunt and the entire um, event that goes on and really see someone else um, have to deal with the, the same amount of pressure that we have in front of the camera as well, which 
I know it sounds, it always sounds funny to me to say that like, Oh, you have pressure in front of the camera. Unfortunately. Yeah, we do. And and I, I don't, I, I'll be honest. I don't like it sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, that's not why any of us started hunting was to uh, had to have pressure to actually kill an animal per se. Um, you know, we're not, we're not out there hunting for survival the way where we absolutely have to kill a deer or else we're going to starve to death. So, um, you know, we're out there to enjoy the, all of the elements and have fun. But, um, with what we do, we also, um, we have to kill an animal, um, and produce that. And I, I really sometimes struggle with that, that pressure that's put on it because that's, that's not why we, we, um, first got into this in the beginning. So it's nice to, to get back behind the camera sometimes and kind of take some of that pressure off and enjoy the entire, the entire scenery and the whole thing really for what it is. So Sean, let's, let's unpack that just a little bit. So how do you separate that, that pressure? I mean, it's, it's one of the things where you say that, you know, yes, I love to bow hunt and I, yes, I love to produce, but when you get to the point where, yes, you're in front of the camera and you're feeling that pressure to succeed, how do you, how do you rationalize that with yourself? Because I think that's something that people that watch outdoor television really don't get a chance to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. And another reason that we did start this show was to show all of the aspects of hunting of the average hunter. And, uh, I have to reel myself back in and be like, look, man, this, our show and our, our, um, our content is not fully all about just the kill. So realize why you're there. You're there because of what, you know, why you started even hunting in the first place. And that's why, what you're here to show, not just the kill. So I reel myself back in and be like, look, man, you gotta, you gotta have fun with it and, and make sure you're enjoying it and, and don't let it become work. And I know there's others in the industry that have the same struggles as well. And um, so really just kind of have just that mental pep talk with myself, I guess you'd say. So we're going to talk about when sometimes maybe it's not so fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are those times where everything's coming together and all you have to do is execute the shot and something goes wrong. And I, this is very timely. And the reason I thought of that topic for this show is this just happened to me a week ago today in Delaware, where... Uh, I had a really nice deer come in and present with a, a shot that I make nine out of 10 times and I, and I don't make it, I miss. And so there's consequences to that, right? And there, there are mental consequences. There's all the different stages of emotion. And one of the things, uh, one of the many things I love about your show is that you guys share those things. You're not shy about sharing the disappointment, because like you said, a lot of the show is just about what the average hunter goes through out there. And so I want to pick your brain a little bit on when that happens. And so uh, really just recovering about recovering from missed opportunities. And maybe we can start with this. Uh, we've all had more than one. I know you have as well. What is your most memorable missed opportunity that comes to mind when you think about, damn, I really, I really blew that, blew that one. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple, um, for sure. But, um, the one that I, that first comes to mind, um, you kind of hinted on this when we, we greeted our, each other on here before we got, we recorded and, um, it's a hunt from, well, it'd be a couple of years ago now, uh, a buck that, um, we called hook and he was, uh, 
by far the biggest whitetail that I've ever hunted, let alone drawn my bow on. And, um, yeah, really what it came down to was he was just, he had, we're setting this field edge and I, I assumed he was going to come out into the field, but it was like October 28th, I want to say. And I just really, I hadn't thought about him actually losing his mind towards the rut. I was like, you know, he'll just become cruising. He'll come cruising through, maybe hit some scrapes or whatever. But as soon as he came out, it was clear that he was on a whole different level as far as the rut goes. And just like there, there had to be a hot doe in the area. And he was just nose to the ground, weaving back and forth, thought I was going to have to shoot him at 40. Then he came close and he was quartering two. I tried to stop him and what he had lost his mind, which in turn made me lose my mind (laughs) and, uh, totally whipped the shot, shot low. And I actually barely clipped his back leg and there was very little blood. Um, and he survived that shot for at least up to 12 days. I had, um, photos of him and, um, that was the end of that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what ended up killing him. I don't know if it was infection from that, that wound or another hunter shot him or whatever it may be, but I found him, um, later on that March and, um, yeah, it, that's the one that comes to mind. And it's just one of those things that you, you replay in your mind over and over and over, um, really for the rest of the season, um, probably the rest of my life, but, um, it doesn't help yeah. when the jerks like me ask you to relive it. So I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's a learning experience. And it honestly, it, it makes you realize, um, we're all definitely human, no matter how much we prepare, um, things still happen. And, at the end of the day, I am just an average guy and I ended up losing, losing my mind <laughs> when he was coming in. I was just shaking like a leaf. I'll never forget it. So. And so it happens, the deer goes off, you're not getting them. And so after that, how long, how long did it take you to sort of mentally get back in the game? Was it whenever you saw the first trail camera picture? Okay. He's still good. Did you dwell on it a while? And, and I'll also ask you, how has that changed with you over the years? Because I know how I handle it now is way different than I did when I was younger. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So, um, honestly, um, between missed opportunities and whatnot that have happened over the years, I've come to realize that it's like, man, they're, they're just deer that that stuff happens. Um, you can't, you can't let it hold you down for very long. The only thing you can do is really just learn from it and try to figure out what you could do better next time. And, Honestly, um, with him, yeah, once I got him back on trail cameras, which really I think was within a few days, um, I was back after it trying, trying to get another shot at him. I never did actually end up seeing him on the hoof again, but, um, yeah, there's, I've learned that you, you just can't let that hold you down. You're, you're not doing yourself any good sitting there and sulking about it and, you know, not, not, not going back out, out after the animal do you find yourself getting back to the range right away and and trying to analyze what happened? And yeah, yeah. the next, I mean, the next day, if it was say it was an evening, evening hunt or if it was a morning hunt, that's pretty much the first place I'm going is back to the range. So Sean, other than shooting, because I'm, I'm really, really into the mental game, what mental preparedness or mental rehab do you actually go through as well after a shot? that is not successful? Um, first off, well, yeah, I, I try to make sure that my bow is right, but that that's a great point. Um, I would say that a very large, um, 
amount of missed opportunities are mental. And, you know, I try to put myself through the mental scenarios all the time. And that's, that's what I tend to do with a lot of my practices, just try to make sure that, um, there's no target panic, which <laughs> I think as most of us as hunters all deal with some sort of target panic, um, throughout our, our bow hunting, I guess you'd say career, um, through our lives. And, um, it's, it's a wild mental deal. And I, I honestly can't say that there's a for sure cure to it. It's just, we all deal with it in much different ways. We cope with it in much different ways. And I think the more that you're out there practicing and walking yourself through it is really the best way to, to better yourself in that, in that aspect. I don't, I can't necessarily say, um, how I would cope with a miss, um, since every miss is really different. Every scenario is different. Um, other than just go back and walk through that that situation that had just happened and try to make sure it doesn't happen again, even though it's going to happen again at some point. <laughs> well, just to kind of clarify what I hear you saying is that, that when you look at, it or you, you reflect on it, you're learning, you know, what, right. what did go wrong and yeah. how can I make adjustments moving forward? And, you know, that's something that I think is what makes great people. Great. I mean, is to really dig down and take a good hard look at what happened successful or otherwise, but I've learned more from my failures than I ever have from my successes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it seems like the successes just a lot of times, um, they go so quickly that you don't, you don't really bat an, I don't personally bat an eye at it. You're like, well, everything went great and that's it. You know, when I'm sure something along the way probably did go wrong, but you don't think about it, but you're right. When there is a failure, you go back and you analyze every little thing that, that happened and try to make sure that, the next time that doesn't happen again. I was going to ask you about the factors that cause us to, to make bad shots, frankly. And uh, you, you hit on some of it. I think uh, in your case, and we'll talk about hook again for, for a second. I think the way he approached and came into the stand was startling for you. And then on top of that, having to stop the deer a couple of times. And by the way, folks, if you just go and search Heartland bow hunter hook, you'll find it. It's a great video. Definitely do that. And you can see everything that we're talking about right here. So definitely take advantage of that. But I think that's part of it. Uh, it sort of gets you off your mental game, but what about things too? Like you're out there putting a lot of hours in the grind of the season pressure. Do you think all of those things have some impact on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, I have to remind myself too, with situations like that, I, I put a lot of emphasis on that deer, um, prior to that, that shot. And I think, I think you, sometimes you overanalyze things, think it over too hard and just put too much pressure on yourselves. I have to, I also have to remind myself that they're just antlers as well. You know, you're like, wow, this is the biggest, the, the highest scoring animal um, that I've ever, ever hunted, let alone taken a shot at. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> it's just, they're just antlers and they're just deer, like just <laughs> pull yourself together. And, uh, you've done this a lot of times, just make sure you, you do it the right way and make the best shot. But, um, I think in that, in that aspect, a lot of things went wrong quickly, um, with that deer, I wasn't expecting to happen. And then, um, when it came down to the actual shot itself, uh, I think what happened is I dropped the bow to see where the arrow was going when, I mean, yeah, if, like you said, Nick, you, you guys can all go back and watch it. I believe it was a 1920 yard shot, a chip shot for pretty much 
most bow hunters. Um, but yeah, I whiffed. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was going to recap my specific story after we drop you off here, but I, I think I'm going to do it now because it fits with what you're saying. Uh, in my case, again, it was a shot that was not far. The deer was, uh, well, he turned out to be 27, which is still kind of far, but still it's one pin for me. And I think I did the same exact thing that you're saying, because when I watched the shot, you took it hook. And I think about where my arrow went is very similar. And to whereas I was holding on the deer, I wasn't nervous. He walked in, I waited for the right opportunity and I was actually shocked to see that I missed him. And so, um, it was the same deal. I think that because he was right on the edge of that range for that pin, the combination of that with me trying to look, I'm trying to see that shot be successful before I finished following through. And I think that is what did me. And, and it sounds like you're, you're thinking the same thing on your shot on hook. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's one of those shots that we all have made numerous times and been successful with, but it's also one of those things as well that I'll, I'll never forget growing up. Uh, my dad teaching me, just to shoot archery, um, you know, was it 25 years ago, um, follow through. (laughs) And to this day, sometimes that doesn't happen. All right. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going to be, hopefully I'm going to rip off the, the bandaid because everyone's talking about all these bad situations. Just for the record, I want to go back and say that, yes, Nick did apologize for bringing up hook, but then he actually, brought it back up again and then sent everybody out to watch the video. So Sean, I'm just keeping track, <laughs> yeah. I'm just keeping track of all this for you, just so you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean, yeah, Sean's actually someone I like too. So if this was, if this was Hunsucker on here, I would be unapologetically doing this. So you know, <laughs> he's not nearly as likable as Sean is. Fortunately, Mike has not had that bad of a screw up. <laughs> well, Hey, let's be honest. He, uh, you're not the only one that's got a shot at hook, right? Oh, that's true. His was much longer. Yeah. He, yeah. You'll have to go watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Watch the video. We'll tease it. Go, go watch the video. Yeah. And just for clarification there again, he's talking about Mike Hunsucker, not me. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. The doctor has never missed. All right. We know that's not. Oh yeah. Also. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about success though now, because I think Hopefully for most of us, we're more often successful and more often when we aren't, we're surprised by it. So, okay, you're in that situation and let's think about the most recent deer that you shot. Deer's approaching, you know, you're getting the shot. We all have that instinct to know, okay, it's going to happen. I'm going to get drawn. Just the steps you talk yourself through in your head, or do you whisper to yourself? What what are you doing at that moment when you know it's going to happen? Um stay calm, cool, and collected really. Um, but there is one thing that I I feel like I have learned is, um, through the years, there's, there were, there were times where, you know, I just felt like, all right, I had, you gotta get it. You gotta get an arrow off and, and make the shot. If you've got any opportunity at all and anymore, it's like, you know what, if, if it, if it's not perfect and you don't feel comfortable then don't shoot, don't try and push it. Like, I've been there plenty of times where I've, I've tried that and some have, some have worked out and some have definitely not. And, um, that's what I'm trying to remind myself all the time is like, all right, if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel great, then then just let down that you're, you're really not, you're not losing much. You may get another opportunity at it, whether it be right then or, you know, the next day or whatever it may be. So. 
just making sure that the, the opportunity is right. All right. So Sean, I'm going to step in here. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I I'm kind of the, the voice of the listener, at least the, the question, I like to ask the questions. I think that people might want to ask, but um, basically just to clarify what it sounds like you're saying is that when you're taking that shot, be present, don't, uh, don't go on automatic. And I, I know a lot of people that do miss do that. They just go on autopilot and, and just let her rip and, it sounds to me like you're saying that you at least need, need to be really present and in control of your decisions as you make the shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that really brings me to um, just, uh, well, what's today? The fourth, I guess this would have been New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day I was hunting and uh, here in Missouri and, and we had a big cold front come through, a snowstorm, and we were um, setting over some corn up in a, uh, some cut corn up in this big redneck blind and all these deer filter in and the buck that we were hunting came in basically with about five, seven minutes of shooting light left right in there. And he comes in to about 45 and puts his head down, starts feeding and he's facing us. And then he starts to, to quarter and, you know, I'm getting ready to draw and I was ranging him, ranging him. I'm like, all right, 45, 47. And I'm looking at him and I keep looking at my watch. I'm like, all right, we've got three minutes of shooting light left. Like I can't even make out his shoulder line that well. And I ended up not even drawing. I was like, I'm not comfortable. If he comes in here to 20 right now, I'll be able to make out his shoulder better. But it's like, if it doesn't feel right, then why don't push it. And, um, like I said, I've been there before where I have, and it's just, I don't, the odds don't seem to be in my favor there and it's just not worth it to me. Well, this is great advice folks from somebody that sees an awful lot of deer, uh, during a season and over the, over the, uh, 15 seasons of Heartland bow hunter has seen an awful lot of deer and has had a lot more experience than many of us will have. And especially even around bigger, older animals, which is a different ball game altogether. And so uh, this is, I think, very great and helpful advice. And there, uh, there was one more variable that I, I want, I don't want to touch on while you were saying that. So there were other deer in the area and there was actually a couple that were closer. And I remember thinking like, okay, so I'm shooting a 45, 47 yard shot, which I know I can make the shot, um, especially on a target, but I'm shooting over other deer. So they're going to react most likely before the arrow gets there, which probably is going to be a chain reaction to him. And yeah, it just didn't feel right. And that's really being present in the shot for sure to have all those things go through your mind. That just shows experience. And also, you know, Sean has said a couple of times about reminding himself, it's just a deer. When he says that he's not disrespecting the deer at all. He's saying, Hey, you're just out here hunting. This isn't, you know, uh, not that you're taking deer at all lightly. You are. And just that example that you just gave, you're not going to take that shot out of concern for the deer. And the focus is always to make a good humane harvest. So I think that is another consideration. I don't think a lot of people would have thought of with, with other deer standing in the field. So let's go ahead and talk about what's up next for Heartland Bowhunter. Now you've just wrapped up season 14 and you, by the way, you get the final, you get the final show. Do you guys flip coins for that? Do you, do you draw straws? Who, who gets the final show of the year, the grand finale? Uh, really that all just plays out on how the season went. Um, we, 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 uh, we show the basically every episode in chronological order. So if I were still to fill a Missouri tag, it would most likely be me um, or if Mike did or, or any of the other guys. So really it just comes down to who had the last success, I guess you'd say, um, or at least, you know, the ending story of the season, whatever it may be that we, we end up using. So um, 
Yeah, we're, we're working on, um, we're, we're about to wrap up filming our 15th season. So that will go to production and um, that will be going to air, uh, I guess, at the end of June, early July. So that's really our main focus as for right now. Um, I know, I do know that we will have some, um, I don't know, a couple feature films, I would imagine, come out um, over the, the course of this 2022, but um, we actually haven't even sat down and decided what those will be. So um, I, I can't answer that, but we have, um, we have our full strut series that comes to um, YouTube this spring, and then um, we'll have behind, behind the draw that comes to YouTube as well uh, next fall, which is basically like excess content from our television stuff. And then um, we're really trying to ramp up our YouTube content as well with just other miscellaneous stuff. So. Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to ask you at the end, all the different places people can find your stuff and you guys do a tremendous job of making it available on all different types of platforms. So we'll talk about that. And I do want to touch on something though, because when you were talking there, I thought I want to, I want to give you a chance to tell the listeners this. And I think that this is a very common misconception among the average viewer, the average person that watches outdoor television. And that is the hunting is one part of it. And I'm sure this is something you guys learned along the way, and you probably learned lessons the hard way at times, uh, but you guys do it really, really well. And that is the business of running a profitable outdoor enterprise. You're, you are a show, but you're also an outdoor enterprise. You've got products and other things. Uh, just talk about that, just that part of it. What, what would you want people to know that are sitting there watching 22 minutes of a, a Heartland Bowhunter episode? What all goes into that? A whole lot of different things. It's that's a that's a great point. We um, sometimes I feel like we are all over the place, just pinballing. <laughs> it's not just um, hunting and uh, really just outdoor television. It's managing a small business. Um, we have three full time editors, two of which are field producers as well, and so keeping those guys busy um, outside of deer season um, is our, our number one focus as well. So we produce um, the Lindsay Way Television Show. That's that's on the outdoor channel along with Heartland Waterfowl, which is on the sportsman's channel. So, um, between that, the production side of things, um, hunting, um, we also have sponsors to manage, um, and keep relationships with and keep them pleased. So that, and just really social media content, the whole nine yards, it's just nonstop. And then, um, the management side of things on the farms that we hunt, we try to keep up to date on and continually doing work on and improving. And with that, we also capture all of the content that we're, we're out there or the content of us actually doing the work. So it's just, it's an endless cycle. Um, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So yeah, we stay busy. We stay very busy. And I know there's a handful of things in there that I didn't, I didn't throw in there, but um, yeah, it's, it's a 365 day a year thing. It's, it's fun. And yeah, it's, it's small business. It, it's, it's pretty wild. A lot of people think that we're a lot bigger than we really are, but we're really just a small business and built it from the ground up. And, um, it's, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, it comes through the, the yeah. hard work comes through in the, I said the 22 minutes, the part that people see. And just as an example, and I, I, I look at this as being a, a great compliment to you guys, but I personally love the show, love what you guys do. Uh, like you guys very much. But it's also is I have a five-year-old son, and so I'm trying getting to the point where I'm teaching him about what it means to take a life, and I'm, I'm not in a hurry to throw him into that. Uh, and so the, I, I, one of the shows that I will sit down and do that with is your show, 
because it's so well produced and so thoughtful and so respectful. And that's what I've essentially been teaching him on to get to understand the whole process. And he'll sit there and he watch it and, he, and he's really into it. So that's a, a compliment, but it's also a thank you to you guys for being so thoughtful that way. I really appreciate that. That was, that's really been our number one goal is to make it relatable to, to everyone in the average hunter, let alone, you know, maybe a, a hunter's wife that doesn't hunt um, and make it something that to where he can actually sit down and watch something like that with her and have her somewhat relate or at least enjoy it um, or tolerate it for that matter. <laughs> and, and I, and I know you've probably been asked this a million times, but you started this how many years ago, like where you're at now and how things are running. I, I assume this, this never was in your wildest dreams, right? Absolutely not. When we first started, you know, I, I was in college and the, really the only goal that I had there was to make sure or attempt to do this for a living to where I could just make enough money to get by. And that was it. Um, I didn't, I didn't honestly think that it would turn into a full-time career, you know, for most likely the rest of my life. I mean, I'm not saying that it, it's going to do that, but I, I would think that I, I I'm going to have that opportunity from where we're at now, but um, yeah, I just wanted to make enough money to get by and be able to go out and, and really pursue my passion that I know that there's thousands of other hunters that um, have wanted to do the same thing or, or try to, or whatever it may be. And yeah, man, I'm super blessed to be able to be in the situation that I am. And just a lot of hard, it was a lot of hard work, um, finding our niche, a way to make our ourselves different and, um, anymore, gosh, it's, it's become even more competitive. So, yeah. And, and that's where I was going to jump in with like either a, a comment or a question or maybe a little bit of both, but is the, the point of staying relevant in such a competitive market, because as Nick said about him being in very, very involved and enthralled in your show for 15 years. And, and I will have to say that it was the same way that that production and the way that you filmed your stories, you know, a lot of those, those up close, slow motion moments that were very, very neutral in regards to where I think any hunter could put himself or herself in that situation, made it relatable. Moving forward, how do you guys keep that creative edge? I mean, how, do, how, does, that, how does that process, you know, kind of brainstorm between all of the parties involved? Because technically, you know, in the outdoor industry, 15 years, I'd have to say is a pretty good run. And the fact that you guys are still competitive and still on that cutting edge is impressive. Yeah, that's, that's another great question. Um, gosh, I would say the number one factor is making sure that we can, um, up our production level just a little bit each year. Everyone's pretty well caught up, um, to, to the same level, I feel like, um, for the most part, because when we first started doing this, the production quality of the outdoor industry was nowhere close to what it is today. And, and really that's the only reason that we were able to really find that barrier of entry. And, um, now it's like, well, everyone's right there close to each other. It's just, I, I would say it's the, um, one of the best things about all of it is, is that every single story is different. And, one way or another and every animal that we're hunting is completely different and so really with that being said it's just making sure that we can tell that story the best way that we, we possibly can and, and that starts with really just the production in the field and um i that's really that that's why i like to get back behind the camera because it it 
it gives me a lot of satisfaction, satisfaction being there, capturing it, and then seeing it all come to fruition in the end and through all the hard work. But yeah, I would just say that striving to make sure that we, we keep that competitive edge, um, capture everything that we need to capture, if not more. And, um, even into the production stages, just making sure that we're, we're spending that much more time on, um, making it a better story in the end. So you already mentioned uh, behind the draw and full strut, which I definitely encourage people to check those out. But uh, what what else can fans of Heartland Bowhunter be excited about as you head into season 15? What's on tap? Um, well, we did have our struggles this year. It, it, it wasn't just with me. It really went all the way down the line. Mike um, Hunsucker, he had, he had his fair share of struggles as well. Um, so season 15, maybe a little bit I'm not going to say slower, but more, um, more of a reality check for, for us. And, um, there will be more struggles shown. Um, but outside of that, yeah, you can follow us on social media. Um, for, for, we're pretty much everywhere. Um, just find us Tartland Bowhunter, um, or myself, Sean Luchtel and Michael Hunsucker. But yeah, we've, we've, we're pretty much anywhere you want to find us, um, whether it be social media or, um, digital platforms from Amazon prime to Roku to YouTube, everything. So that's how I know you're a pro because you anticipated my next question and just went right into the answer. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, you can find it anywhere folks. And, uh, I know you've already got tons of fans. I've seen some of the numbers that get sent around and you guys are doing tremendous work. So I want to congratulate you on that. I want to thank you for taking the time out to do this. We appreciate talking to you. Uh, you, you guys were on my list and I, I don't want this to be a one-time thing, but you were on the list early on as uh, people I wanted to have on the show. And uh, it's, again, it's a relatable show. If you have not seen Heartland Bowhunter yet, shame on you. Uh, watch it. You see it one time. I don't even care if you've never shot a bow and you're a gun hunter, you're going to love it. So please, please check it out. Uh, check out their good work. So Sean, thanks buddy. Appreciate you being on and looking forward to hopefully shaking your hand and seeing you in person again here soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was fun. Despite the fact that we were talking about such a sad subject, the subject of missing, I really enjoyed that conversation with Sean. Uh, I thought that he would be a great person to have on here because if, if you're a fan of the Heartland Bowhunter show, and you should be, they celebrate the, they certainly celebrate the victories, but they're not shy about showing the losses and when things don't go well. And if you follow the show, you'll know that Sean has not always been successful, just like any, any of the rest of us. And when you think about the sheer number of deer that he sees in a season with trying to produce the show, they hunt all over the country and, and then going on 15 seasons now, seen a lot of opportunities, tons of experience. I just thought he was the ideal person to have this conversation with. And I thought it was a lot of fun. It it was. And he provided some really good information to help everybody move forward. And, And I think that if you take his advice and his experience, it's only going to make what we do better to be able to understand that and realize that you have to pick yourself up. You have to dust yourself off. And, and you, I know you mentioned that point of where he's saying it's just a deer. And I'm glad that you did elaborate on that because he wasn't trying to minimize his quarry. He was pretty much just trying to put 
the event and not to speak for Sean, but, to, but the way I interpret it is to put the event in perspective that there's always going to be another chance. There's going to be another opportunity. I'm learning from this one and there'll be another day. And I think that is a very important fact to take home. Well, I've just really enjoyed watching them grow as a small business, as he described it and enjoy the, again, we see the 22 minutes or so that, that makes the show whenever it hits the, whatever channel you're watching it on. Uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And it was neat to get a little bit of the behind the scenes perspective of uh, the Heartland Bowhunter show. So thanks again to Sean for doing that. Mike, there's not much that remains of opportunities for us to fill tags in our hunting season. Here we are staring at the first week of January. There's a little bit of time left in the, where we live in Pennsylvania, we've got a little bit of time to fill, to fill a tag with our bows. And I, I think I've only been out one time so far since, uh, since Christmas, since the day after Christmas, I don't know that you've been out at all. What are your plans? What are you thinking? Well, you know me, I'm, I'm calculating, I'm shooting the recurve. I have only a, a select few spots that I would actually take it into that are going to put deer within my effective range. And I'm waiting for the right conditions to go in there and strike. And hopefully it'll work out. If not, as we talked about just a minute ago, there's always next year. It's not the end of the world. Well, speaking of which I had planned to go tomorrow morning and I was outside doing some stuff and I was really cold. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> it's too cold. I'm not going in the morning. Oh, yeah. Which I know is weak but I've had a good season. Weak. Yeah. It's really weak. And it's a sad state of affairs over here, but I also have to get ready for the archery trade association show and I have to pack and prepare for that. But I do, I do want to get back out. I I've upgraded my video gear. And so I want to get that out a little more experience with that. I've been going through some old video clips, trying to keep those things organized, which is not an easy task for any of you that, that like video in your hunts. And so doing that, and as, uh, as I mentioned earlier, did get to hunt several days in Delaware right after Christmas. So, and morning and night. So it's not like I've been totally uh, just sort of wimping out here and not doing it. Uh, incidentally, as I, as I'm saying that it, it makes me think of the funny story where, <laughs> so I'm not going to get into brands here. I'm not going to bash brands or whatever, but Mike and I are still both relatively new to saddle hunting. And so last year when I got into it, I picked a saddle that, uh, it was affordable, but it would get me a, give me a chance to try it. And it would eventually, it just became so uncomfortable for me. I texted Mike from the tree I was in and said, I literally just ordered a new saddle, uh, while I was in my stand and while I was in my current saddle, cause I've just had enough. And so, uh, I got some good laughing emojis back on that one. <laughs> and and it's, it's just, I find it hilarious where when somebody hits their limit, their, it's just their state of mind. And I was just, even though we weren't in the same state, even I, I put myself in your situation and I just found it hilarious. And it's, I don't want to say that it's the saddles fault. If this is a good company, that's well-known, a lot of people use them. It's just for me. And that's one of the things with saddles. I know Mike, when you got into it, you got several different ones to try to see what would work best for you. That's the smart thing and not be a dummy like me, or I just got one and went with it and hunted with it for two years and finally decided it wasn't working for me. 
Uh, so we'll see how this new one feels. And if it doesn't feel good, I'm going to, I'm going to ship it back. So I'm looking forward to a little less un, uh, discomfort on the, in the tree. <laughs> and that's, that's important because, you know, we joke about it and, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it's kind of can go along with what we talked about in the podcast today. If you're not present for your shot and, you know, if you're not prepared things, it doesn't take a lot for things to start going wrong. And it could be something as simple as you're uncomfortable and then you lose your mental focus. That is a very good point. And so I think that's part of the deal too. If you're not, if you're not excited to put your gear on and go out because it's not going to work for you, then that's going to keep you from going. And I was getting to that point. And so the only thing I need to do now to totally upgrade and lighten my system is to go with lighter sticks. And so if anybody listening to this has recommendations for uh, light sticks that are really good for saddle hunting, because I'm not getting any younger. I try to stay healthy. I'm in pretty good shape for my age, but <laughs> I am still my age. And so the more I can lighten my load, especially hauling video equipment around on top of everything else, the better. So I look, look for anyone that has recommendations on that as well. Well, folks, I think that's a wrap for this show. It was uh, one that we really enjoyed doing. I want to remind you if you have hunting buddies, which I'm sure you do, and they are not listening to the show already, please introduce them to it. Tell them where they can find us and have them subscribe. We continue to grow our subscribers. That's nice to see. And we get very nice ratings, which is good. But the more subscribers we have, the better. So we appreciate that. Also, visit National Deer, na National. See, I don't, I'm getting the URL wrong. Visit deerassociation.com. You will be visiting the National Deer Association website, which uh, before that blunder I was employed by. We'll see after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've blown this podcast so bad that I, you may not hear me again on the show. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but at any rate, deerassociation.com. And where you can join the National Deer Association, we'd appreciate that. If you're looking for a New Year's resolution yet, that would be a good one to be, become more involved in a sport that you love. If you're listening to this show, you love deer and you love hunting, then join because you're, you're really contributing to a good cause. We're really, really proud of the work that we do. So join us and learn even more about it. Subscribe to the show if you're not already, uh, haven't already done that. Also subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out every Thursday morning uh, because there's a lot of great content in there and that doesn't cost you anything. So maybe that'll be your entree into the NDA. Thanks again for joining us, folks. Appreciate you listening. Happy New Year. National Deer Association, where we are, united for deer. <laughs>